what can I influence within the system? That's the first thing. And the second thing is, how can I build a relationship and get to know and really study my manager, my direct force, my boss, the owner, to know how I can best support them and you know influence their system and My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text PODCAST to 972-945-9113 to join our Morning Motivation Club and visit CompeteEveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. What's up, competitor? Jake here, your chief encouragement officer, and welcome to today's brand new episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. I'm excited to be joined today by J.P. Nurbun of The Culture System, one of the books he's written. He does a lot of work with sports teams and coaches, and so we dive into some of that, but also how it translates in a professional setting, whether we're on the job site or we're in the sales room. And so you're going to get some value of things that we can do to influence culture, what what happens when we don't have a player-led culture, and what are some of the leadership skills that are often overlooked that we need to be more intentional about developing. Now, before we dive into the show, JP has been super gracious to help us with a little bit of a giveaway. So here's what we're going to do. We have JP's course, Levels 1-3 of the Transformational Coaching and Culture Certification. It is one of his uh, famous programs. He's had coaches, hundreds and hundreds of coaches go through it over the last year. And so you have an opportunity to win this free course for you or a coach you may know, like, love, respect, grow up with. So here's what we're going to do. In order to get this free course valued at $300, I need you to do one of two things. One of two super simple things. So the first thing is leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. Leave us a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify. And after it's done, send a screenshot to podcast at competeeveryday.com. So you're going to leave us a review on Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, and then you're going to send a screenshot to podcast at competeeveryday.com. Or the second option is you're going to share today's episode with a friend who is a coach, someone who's coaching youth sports, high school sports, college sports. You're going to share that. Here's how you're going to do. You're going to send it to them in an email, and you're going to BCC podcast at competeeveryday.com. So That's a super easy, simple way to do it. That way, we're not going to respond to them, but just gives us proof, hey, you're sending this to a coach. And so those are the two easy ways to do it. Leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or Spotify, or send this podcast to one of your coaching friends. Help encourage them. Then we're going to pick a random winner to win this free course, Transformational Coaching and Culture Certification by JP. And so I will be emailing out the winner. Uh, Today's episode's gone live. It's Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. So we're going to let this run for the next, we'll say five days. So Monday, February 26th, we're going to select a winner. So you've got from today all the way through Monday, February 26th to get either those reviews done, submitted to us, or this episode shared with a coach. Get that out and over to them, and then we are going to pick a random winner and help 
them get one of these free courses. So it's an easy win. Why wouldn't you do it? It'll take you two seconds to share it. Who knows? Maybe something in today's episode is something someone in your network needs to hear. So hope you'll join in that. As always, want to encourage you that we have the February challenge rounding out, coming to an end here in the next week or so, but we're getting ready to kick off another month in March. We'll have some new challenges designed to improve you mentally, physically, relationally, uh, financially, and as a leader. And it, all you got to do to join is just sign up. You'll see a link here in the show notes. It's free. You'll get a little bit of encouragement throughout the month, some accountability to check in because I want to make sure that you honor the commitments to yourself when you take on the challenge that you follow through with it all the way to the end. So with that, let's welcome into the show author of The Culture System, J.P. Nurburn. Hey man, it's great to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to kick things off. I've got your book right here, The Culture System in Hand, uh, specifically designed around building team cultures in sports. But there's a lot of lessons here I think our listeners and leaders can take back, implement in their workplace. Heck, I know we've got a lot of parents on here as well that are raising some competitors. So want to start here. As someone who talks a lot about coaching culture, locker room culture, things like that, what do you see as the most important, have to have it, can't build a great culture without this one thing? Mm, uh, a real understanding of your philosophy, right? right? Which we, we can describe as why you coach, uh, why you coach the way you do, right? A philosophy, um, it could include core values, like what's really important to you, but that has to have a foundation, right? It has to be connected with how you actually show up in the world, right? It's it's really easy to put that on a wall or a t-shirt. This is why I coach. This is what's important. But do people see that, right? In the way that you live your life, the way that you lead. And that's, that is absolutely foundational for anything moving forward. Awesome. Okay. So give me, give me an example of that. Give me as someone you've worked with that you maybe even somebody you, you haven't worked with, you, you admire that has that clear picture of like, this is my system. This is my values. This is how it all aligns as the foundation of this culture. Yeah, absolutely. So one leader I've worked with recently is a coach named Dave Passmore. He's the head women's coach of USA or US head coach of USA women's field hockey. They just qualified for the Olympics in Paris, which was kind of, they weren't, many weren't expecting from the outside. Um, Dave's an incredible person. When he took over that program a year and a half ago, he started with, right, what besides the Olympics and achieving and getting to the Olympics is really important to us here. And they landed on values of joy, relentlessness, intensity, right? They take those core values, right? Um, and they have, he has had to really work on them and how he shows up with his staff, how he shows up with his players, right? And cultivate that, those types of things. And so gratitude is the source of joy. And so, you know, he recognizes that, he knows that. And so he has a lot of opportunities that he seeks out to show gratitude because that gratitude will feed the joy uh, of the athletes in the program. So um, I think it's really comes down to just cultivating those personal disciplines in his life to help to uh, bring those values to life throughout the program, as well as many things they do within the program throughout the season. Awesome. Go. 
So if you were listening right there, the dogs uh, that you guys are used to hearing took out the camera, the mic. Uh, while JP was there talking, you heard barking and then silence because I had to mute everything as we lost it. But JP, okay, so I want to pull up this thread just a little bit more because like you mentioned joy, right? Competitiveness, some of those things that for our listeners, they understand sports is like business. You are judged by results. And when you talk about this idea of, well, I want my culture to be joy, sometimes for them, I'm going to say, and even myself earlier on, you think like, well, that's just kind of being happy all the time. And that's not like you got to, you're going to have days that suck. You're going to have days you got to grind through it. You're going to have days you lose, right? How do, how do you have like this feeling? And really, I think joy is a choice. And, and maybe you, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But how do you have this and you want this to be the culture when really like, doesn't matter how good you are at eliciting joy, like you're judged whether you win or lose. Just like businesses are judged under the profit or loss. So talk to me a little bit about how some of these intangibles are so impactful in driving the results. Yeah. Um, so I was actually with uh, the team back in December and New Zealand had come in for a couple test matches. And the first test match, they lose a tough match to New Zealand. And afterwards, what they really felt like the team lacked was intensity. And one of the legends in USA field hockey, her name's Tracy Fuchs. She coaches at Northwestern. She's an assistant on the, the staff there. And she was like, hey, you girls got to find, or you women got to find what intensity looks like for each of you. Okay. Um, and because that could look different for everybody. So what we end up doing and we end up designing and what they have done since as a program is they, the players will get together in groups and their leadership units, right? So they have a leadership council group and each of those players is responsible for, you know, two or three different individuals in the team staying connected. Well, but prior to a competition, those players will get to get, got together before that game. And they said, okay, what does intensity look like? And everybody had to go around and share in their commitment to intensity for that game. And then after the game, they did a two-by-two two feedback review, which was the player self-reflects and said, hey, I was really, I brought intensity. I followed through my commitment in this way. I did a good job. I could improve in this. And someone in the group has to offer them feedback on, yeah, you did a great job of this, but you could also, hey, there was this moment I saw your, you know, whatever that, you know, playing really, really tough and strong or whatever that, 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 that commitment was this is where I think you could have picked it up. So they, they did this, they brought that, they brought that into New Zealand the next day and they absolutely crushed them. Okay. So it delivers results on that and it became part of their system, their culture system. So it's their values and action through a strategy or a process, which is how we make a commitment to our values each game. So every game they make a commitment to the values and then they review those, those values after the game. Okay, so uh, maybe I'm going to throw you a curveball here. Probably not based on what I've learned in your experience. What you just shared sounds very much player-driven conversations, right? And we know the best locker rooms are player-led teams, coaches reinforce. For people listening that, you know, maybe they're coaching sports or maybe they're coaching adults uh, in professional setting and they don't have a player-led organization because they don't either A, haven't empowered them or B don't have those people willing to step up in your experience in the sports world. How do you get the right people? I would say to step up because it's a little bit, and I may correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a little bit different when it's the fourth string backup or the kid who's, you know, brand new on campus. 
they're going to have a harder time being that le- that leader with older upperclassmen, more experienced starters, things like that. So talk to me when you don't have that top tier individual, or have you just not seen that instance? Yeah. So if your, your question is when you don't feel like you have people that are taking that initiative to lead in that right. Yeah. When you don't feel like you have the people who either a are going to step up and take that leadership role, um, Mm-hmm. at all uh and you either either a they haven't chosen to do it or b they've never had to How, what do you do in those type of environments you've got to coach them on it and i think this is the thing where we see a lot of people and we could talk about the words empower and these things yeah. are like what does that actually really look like well in, in this situation we create a process where we're really forcing them to have have a conversations with other people uh, within the team, right? So that that's one way about it, but it's also in consistent meetings where like in a sports team for us, it's weekly meetings. Sometimes it's a daily huddle with a coach and the people that he is identified or the team is identified as people that we need to step up and lead. And it's asking for their input, right? What are they seeing? What are they noticing? It's bringing them into some tough decisions. Hey, we have this issue. Or even just, you know, some simple process decisions, like when are we going to leave for this match here? How many days should we have off? How how much do we need to practice at these times? Bringing them into the decision-making process gives them that sense of ownership. And especially when they have ownership over a decision that's made, they're more committed to going well. Um, But also it's, it's, it's about coaching them. It's about asking them where they want to grow as a leader, what that looks like for them. It's not us trying to force them into a square peg round hole. Like sometimes we got to recognize what are their strengths. And that's why we like to, you know, really build on the strengths, maybe fill in some gaps there with some individuals, but it's really coaching them on, you know, what are you, what are some areas you want to grow? What are some actions you can take? And when they struggle with those types of things, coming back and offering some support. Yeah, I think that's no different than some of the stuff we've talked about here with managers and leaders in corporate space, right? Creating some of those similar opportunities. We've talked heavily when giving feedback on, say, a mistake or a setback of co-creating solutions on how to do it differently next time versus just the telling because the person feels more ownership in that next action. So some of the things you've talked about very much correlate uh, to adults because we're no different, right? Life on the field is not much different than life off the field, which is one of the reasons we love sports. Okay. So out of curiosity, how did you get into this whole world? (laughs) My own leadership failure struggles led me into really committing to my own growth in in two big ways. One was I hired a coach to work with me on my leadership. And secondly, I just started studying culture and leadership like crazy and just trying to take in as much as I could. And what I realized on that path was one of the best ways for me to hold myself accountable to my growth, the actions I I was taking, but also like to take in all this stuff I was learning was to share it. So I started writing blogs and started a podcast, the Coaching Culture Podcast almost seven years ago. And uh, that led to just more conversations with leaders in this space. And then eventually me getting my executive coaching certification and just starting to work coaching coaches because like I really recognize that what coaches needed in sports and even leaders in a business is they don't necessarily need another motivational speaker or some guy to run this killer workshop and then out the door. Like they need someone so often that can 
be there for them. That's having these consistent check-ins. That's asking great questions. That's helping them to take different perspectives and step back from their situations and getting on the balcony and really seeing things for, for what they are. Yeah, that's that's one of the the challenges, you know, as a speaker myself, you run into with events is because sometimes my question that occasionally will get some crickets is like, what's the follow through? And mm. like, you know, we've done this program, we actually give stuff on the back end of programs to be able to continue that learning and dialogue, because we know the one time is not going to do it. But having the conversations after, like, how do we keep building this? How do we keep implementing this? How do you make sure it's not just one day, but we keep going? Because to your point, like that quick, you know, what's the, is it Zig Ziglar of motivations, like bathing, you should do it daily. You know, like mm -hmm. you need a little mm -hmm. bit every day. It doesn't stick, but how do you create the systems and discipline that do? Okay. So one of the things I'm actually curious about when it comes to you sitting down and writing this is obviously this is written for coaches, right? Coaches implementing cultures, wanting to build it. How do you look at or how would you coach someone that, and I'm going to tie it two directions here, uh, a position coach within a culture. So they're, they're, you know, offensive assistant, DBs coach, we'll say football. Uh, that's within the overall scheme of the offensive coordinator or the head coach, the overall culture. And then they also tying it into, say, a manager that has a director that has a whole department within a larger organization to where they can't change the entire culture. How do you encourage the implementation of putting your system and your culture within that subculture piece? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've worked with assistant coaches, right, at high levels, um, like the NBA um, and other pro leagues outside of the states. And I've worked with, you know, like sub, like manager level people at companies like Dimensional and PricewaterhouseCooper. And, uh, you know, so... I, yeah, I think I could speak to that. I think one thing is understanding that, you know, while I understand these these systems, these strategies, and how they work, um, the managers, these leaders, uh, in a business setting, they're the expert of their team, right? They're in the best position. So I'm actually there's sometimes I'm consulting and I'm helping to provide solutions and helping to offer suggestions, but a lot of time I'm just coaching. And coaching, I'm not the expert, right? The leader is the expert on their situation. And so those managerial roles, they're, and, and what they can do, and it's this, and same as like a position coach, like an offensive coordinator, is they can, they can figure out what around my system, our culture here within even my sales team of 100 people or 25 people, what can I influence within the system? That's the first thing. And the second thing is, how can I, build a relationship and get to know and really study my manager, my direct force, my boss, the owner to know how I can best support them and, you know, influence their system and, and try to encourage this. What really we have seen is, especially over the last few years with some of the people I've worked with in business and in sports is that you start to bring results within the culture and people love working for you or they love playing for your team and everybody else starts paying attention, right? So the amount of coaches that I've worked with for three, four years, and all of a sudden another athletic director is calling me and going, actually, can you come in and try to help all our coaches do this? Because we need this everywhere. And same with some other businesses that I've worked with. It's like, okay, this is obviously working here. So how do we start to replicate? And they're like, oh, you're working with it. So it, it, it's, it's really trying to understand the system 
but but everyone's context is different. So I'm just really kind of coaching them and helping them to figure that out because these tools can feel mechanical, but they need to be applied organically. How, how do you, so that assistant coach you're working with, developing your culture, getting to know those people, as well as getting to know how to align, what if you're stuck in that toxic environment? And we've all seen programs like that, right? Where it's toxic from the top. We've seen organizations where it's toxic from the top. And so you can only control so much. How do you work with them to get the results out of that little bitty part of the overall organization? And at which point do you say, hey, this is maybe not the best leadership place for you as a coach? Yeah, that that's a really hard question. And I think a lot of it depends on someone's even circumstances. Like some people are more mobile. Some people can move. Some people can find more work, right? Uh, what I definitely would really work with every coach is just how do you, even in a toxic environment, be the light, come in to bring a different energy. One of my mentors, a person that uh, has met, you know worked with me throughout the years, this guy named Jack Easterby. He worked with, uh, he was our leadership coach when I played basketball at the University of South Carolina. He went on to become the character and culture coach of the New England Patriots, won two Super Bowls yeah. there. And then he went on to go and be the uh, GM or president of team development of the Texans. And he is everywhere he goes, it doesn't matter what the culture state is. He's coming to the Patriots after that Hernandez situation and the Chiefs after they had a really tough situation, you know, 15 years ago. And everywhere he goes, it's all first off about how he shows up. It's about his presence and his energy. And so nothing, you know, that, that really is 100% within your control, how you show up. And then how much you can influence the system. Well, man, you really be, you know, shocked at just being that light, being that positive energy. Um, bringing your values into play every day about what type of impact that can have. 100%. And that's where I figured you would go as well, which is what I wanted the audience to hear from someone other than me of, right? You you can't control sometimes the top of the organization, but how are you showing up as that light? How are you controlling what you can and, and bringing that energy all the time to what you do? Okay, JP, as we start to wrap up, one of the things that stood out that I liked in, in kind of the pre-research was the leadership skills that most people tend to overlook. And I know you've got a little bit of a soapbox on this, so I want to get you a chance to climb up. But like, what are some of those leadership skills that are often not developed because we're either A, unaware of it, or we just overlook the importance of them? Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones is presence, right? I think at the end of the day, my ability to be present with people that I am with in that moment and also to be present with myself is foundational for any good conversation or for me to make effective decisions. And if I am caught up in the past or if I am too worried and stressed about the future, I can't make effective decisions and I cannot be effective in having really sometimes difficult conversations or you know conversations where I'm trying to coach an individual. So presence is a skill that's really, really un un underestimated. I'd also say the power of noticing. I think a lot of times, you know, I think exceptional leaders are exceptional at observing, noticing, and just really trying to take in information. They're noticing little things and the way that, you know, they're showing up, the way that something might trigger them. So they're, they're very aware of themselves as well as for other people. And, and they're able to, um, then I would say, share those observations in a way with other people that help them with curiosity, right? So, like that's the key, I think, so often of hard conversations and feedback. Feedback is this, when it's done really exceptionally well, 
it's done in a very non-judgmental way. It's just more of sharing what our observations, sharing what we're noticing, offering that up to people in a way, and then being open to what they're seeing and what they recognize and what they notice about that. And, and through that, we're not just, when we're offering feedback, we're not just getting we're not just giving them information. They're giving us information. We're learning as well. So I think noticing is a hugely underrated skill as well as presence for sure. Well, and it it ties into, I would say the curiosity aspect, right? The, the being what you just mentioned, right? Being curious about what can I learn? What can I be exposed to? What's here versus coming in a little more closed-minded any mm -hmm. situation, right? Or how can I, what do I need to respond with? I need to tell them this versus fully listening to what they're trying to say. I, I always get drawn back to the, and most people know, cause I'm a huge Ted Lasso fan. You probably can't see the little Funko head over here, but like the be curious, not judgmental scene. Like one of the greatest scenes mm -hmm. I think in TV is that idea. And it's not just, not just in coaching, but in leadership and life. How do we remain curiosity? But more than ever today with these little phone devices, with, Everything pulling at your attention and your focus, how can you be present in this moment? One, for your own good, just like you mentioned, not living in the past, not thinking, you know, five steps ahead, but also for the people right in front of you, giving them that time and attention, which from a leader and coach standpoint, that builds relationship, builds connection, starts to get trust. It's just like every coach has told me, you want to get to a player's head, you got to go through their heart. Like you got to get to know them and make those deposits. So JP, man, this has been fun. I know the culture system is out. You also have a new book as well for coaches about uh, building relationships with sports parents. So give us a quick teaser on that. Uh, and then where can we find both of these books? Yeah, the sports parent solution is really a very radically different approach to the sports parent involvement in programs. And it really is just the fact that the honest truth that most coaches see parents, sports parents as a problem. And there are many sports parents that are problematic, but if we start to actually partner with them, we can really help that they can help us to leverage um, our influence to transform the culture of the team and actually have a bigger impact on our athletes. So I highly recommend that for anybody that's in coaching um, you can get both books uh, at Amazon, Apple Books, uh, also on Audible if you want to listen to books. So yeah, check it out there as well as at my website, tocculture.com. You got links all over the place. I was about to say, and we've got it linked up to, to there as well as your Twitter account as well for people to give you a follow and get connected. JP, man, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. I know uh, it's a little bit of a time difference as you were in Ireland, I believe. And so not quite the same middle of the day as I've got here, but dude, appreciate you investing the time coming on, pouring into our audience uh, and everyone listening. Be sure to check out show notes. We've got the culture system linked to it. Obviously, I know a ton of you on here are sports parents. And so that second book is going to be right up your alley. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.